0: Hello and welcome to the podcast of TechEU. I am your host, Andre Regular. The interview that I want to play for you today is with the co-founders of a startup called Remy, which is an early stage company that's just raised 1.2 million euros in funding. Valerie Kramer and Rebecca Gores met each other last summer and created Remy shortly after. The startup is all about building company culture in remote teams, which has, of course, become particularly important after a certain pandemic had changed the way most of us work these days. So here's the conversation in its entirety. Let us listen together. Enjoy. So let's start by talking about uh, you, too. And uh, if you can just introduce yourself and tell a little bit more about what you had been doing before uh, you co-founded Remy, starting from you, Valerie.
1: So I'm Valerie. I have for the past 10 years mainly worked in media and tech companies. I started my career at a German press agency. Um, Have then moved over to Twitter, where I've been building up the German market and also emerging markets, and over the past three years have been building up a media tech startup in Berlin, also venture-funded, and have been building up the whole sales, PR, and marketing department over there. Most recently been part of the executive team, being responsible for all things revenue globally, and then decided for myself that now it's the time to found my own company, quit my job during the pandemic last year, and met Rebecca. (laughs)
0: <laughs> so, uh, where exactly did you meet then?
2: Maybe you want to chime in, Rebecca. <laughs> yeah, happy to. Um, I also quit my job. I can tell you about my background in a second. But I also quit my job and wanted to work on different ideas and did a lot of research for those ideas. And it was w- during one of the interviews that I did, one of the customer interviews I did, that I met Valerie. Uh, she was one of my interviewees. I thought she was really smart and knew she had also quit her job and also was interested in funding a company. And so I just asked her if we want to meet up and explore it together.
0: Great. That's an interesting story already. And uh, and that was when?
2: Last summer, last, last July is when we first started speaking. Yeah.
0: Great. So Rebecca, so you can now uh, talk about your background, if you like. What did you do before that?
2: Of course, with pleasure. I'm going to start in the back because it's relevant. I did my undergrad in psychology in the Netherlands and then actually did my another master's in organizational psychology at the London School of Economics. And this is pretty much where, you know, I started thinking about this topic of culture um, in teams and uh, connection building. I then actually moved into the business world. so I did another master's uh, at the London Business School, um, then worked in strategy consulting um, in London, Hong Kong and New York, focusing on growth strategy and digital experiences. Then decided I wanted to move into the startup world. So I moved to Berlin at the same time. I worked in a food tech startup in my last role as head of brand. Also did some product work there and really fell in love with kind of the tech side of things um, and product management and building products. And that's why I decided to actually quit my job to try it out myself. And that happened last July. And then, as I said, met Valerie very quickly. Got lucky there. (laughs) Right.
0: I kind of expected uh, when you said that you fell in love with the tech side of things, I kind of expected that you would say, and then I got another master's and this time in computer science or something. (laughs) (laughs) That
1: would have been amazing, but we did this a bit differently. Um, I don't know if you know about this, but we are both non-technical, right? And um, by now we are three people in the founding team and have a technical co-founder whose name is Franco. He has joined us recently and uh, is coming from Typeform where he's been engineering team lead. but Before that, it was actually our challenge. How do we build a software product with a non-technical background? How can we actually overcome this hurdle? Because we wouldn't want to kind of not do it. And uh, yeah, this is when we decided to build with no code. And this is actually the the challenge that Rebecca especially took on and over. And yeah, this is how we got so far actually
2: until here.
0: Right. So, what were you? Uh, what were you building? Uh, uh, like, what sort of platform were were you using? What sort of tools? Can you give any advice?
2: Of course. So, we started really because we did a, a lean startup approach. We wanted to go as lean as possible. So, we just started prototyping using tools like Figma. So, I taught myself to to use Figma over the winter holidays, and then we joined OnDeck, which is a program uh, particularly for for no coders. And, um, and there we started experimenting and very quickly landed on bubble.io, which is actually the tool that we use until this day. So it's fantastic because even with Franco on board, who is a developer, we're using a no code tool and are actually choosing to combine it with traditional coding methods, um, to achieve the best outcome and be as flexible and lean as possible along the way.
0: Right. Now, this is great. This, this is really interesting. Uh, In this case, I really uh, wonder, so you're using a uh, uh, no-code solution, uh, you uh, are a lean team, and you've just raised 1.2 million euros. Uh, What do you need the money for?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, as you just said, we're a lean team, and we also want to stay a lean team, but obviously we cannot handle everything ourselves uh, anymore. Um, We are growing um, quite fast. We have first customers on the platform testing with us, and... We really need to grow our founding team, meaning we need developers. We need, um, uh, product designers. We need people who kind of create content for us. And this is basically the founding team that we're searching for now with the, with the, with the funding amount. But also, obviously, um, over the next months, our most critical goal is to find product market fit because, I mean, we're just starting out and we have some really good indication already and, and believe that our, we are onto something but uh we still need to kind of fully understand how and what are going to be the next steps moving onwards
0: right and how many how many people uh, do you have in the team right now except uh, for, except uh, for you three
2: so full time is just just the three of us for the moment we're starting with an we just started with an intern we're starting with a couple of freelancers we just actually made offers to a couple of people to join the team in the next couple of months so yeah
0: Honestly, it makes me very happy to see that uh, in Europe, it's, uh, we're already at that stage when a team of uh, non-serial entrepreneurs uh, who have made a first version of the product using no-code tools can already raise a round of 1.2 million euros, just basically <laughs> yeah. based on this very early stage uh, vision. That's uh, that's a great thing for the ecosystem, I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it was also, I mean, it was a challenge, right? Um, As you said, we're all first-time founders and um, we all didn't know what it would mean to kind of raise money and how challenging this will also be and what is expected actually from a team to, to raise money. And it was a very interesting learning experience for us. Um, but we're super, super happy with the investors that we found. And it was just super important for us, especially as being first-time founders, but also, I mean, we really started out as two women raising money and we were super insecure in the beginning, right? We didn't know what to expect, how this is going to look like. And that's why we said what we really want to achieve is to find partners in crime that share our values and beliefs and that fully support us on the way and that are aware of that we all have lots of experience working, right? But we are not very experienced in building a startup or basically starting out from scratch, right? So this is ob- obviously a bet and we're super happy that we found the ones that are kind of supporting this mission, but it was definitely a challenge.
0: <laughs> How long did it take you in general, to raise funding?
1: I have the feeling we work quite fast. So we, we fully started out in March And uh, we have now finalized the round. So it took us overall three months. But obviously, we had a few discussions before that already. So I would say we started somewhere in January to kind of have some casual conversations. And then in, in March, we said, okay, now we really want to get started. Now we feel confident about what we have achieved. We have some traction. We have some really great advisors. We have a full wait list of people wanting to test this product. So basically... A validated hypothesis, and this is what we then used as a next step to attract <laughs> investors. Yeah,
0: right. So then, I think it is time to actually move on to the uh, to the product itself and see what uh, what it is that uh, the investors, the BTOB partners, uh, show in it. So, as the, as the headline goes, it's a remote team culture building platform. And uh, uh, just uh, before we delve into the actual product and how it works and what it includes, how do you actually define company culture? What What is it for you?
2: Yeah, uh, I'm happy to answer that. So it's really interesting because I think for most people, when you ask them about this and most people working in organizations, they have a very clear answer about this. Meaning it means very different things for different people and everyone interprets it differently. Which is one of the key challenges, right? That no one is really c- clear about what they're actually trying to, to achieve, trying to, to change and build, right? When it comes to culture. For us, it's a set of different things. It's a set of, on the one hand, beliefs, assumptions and associations, something like values, for example. But it's also importantly, artifacts, behaviors and metrics. And what we want to do is really get away from this very intangible thing that people assume associate culture with to something that is much more cha- tangible much more changeable right so it's basically based on the belief that culture is something that can be shaped and built and managed by employees which are the participants of this ecosystem and that and what we want to do is make it easier for them to actually do this and feel empowered to do this
0: okay and uh, so and you work around uh, uh, these uh, daily and weekly team building rituals so what uh, what are they and why uh, did you actually decide to make this uh, the center the cornerstone of the platform itself
1: i can start with that rebecca and then you can probably add Please. a few things mm-hmm. so we've been speaking to lots of lots of people so how we started out our process of understanding really the problem of connection building in a remote setup was that we talked to more than 100 100 remote and hybrid teams over the course of two months um, last year. And we tried to really understand why is this actually such a challenge? There is Slack, there is Zoom, there is Google Hangouts, the infrastructure is there, so why would this be such a struggle? And what we mainly identified as pain points were that it's actually super, super time-consuming and a huge mental workload for teams to come up with activities and to facilitate connection, really. And we, we realized that it's mainly down to the team leads who feels this pressure on their shoulders to kind of facilitate connection. But they don't really know what's effective, especially because there are so many different people in the team. And so um, what we heard from team members then was, shit, I don't actually want to go on team drinks at Friday evenings, right? And I don't want to just have a quarter quarterly offsite. This is not enough to connect. So what we came up with was that we need to build something that intuitively integrates in the already existing routines of team members and teams in general. Because we believe culture is nothing that is just built one off in gaming nights or um, one off activities, but really is something that needs to be built like a muscle. And this is something that that we need to continuously enable them with. And that's why we came to the conclusion rituals are the right way to do this and I would hand over to Rebecca to chime into what we have
2: then prepared for activities. Absolutely yeah maybe to shed a little bit of light on the kind of rituals that we work with so it's really based on the belief that these interactions should be really meaningful and should help establish a solid foundation for connection versus just entertaining or providing basis to have fun. So it's really fundamentally about providing opportunities for meaningful interaction. Uh, And also, at the same time, we really care about establishing space that feels psychologically safe, uh, where people feel like they can trust each other, and where people can establish a sense of belonging. And that's really how we structure the rituals. So not so much games, but more kind of how can we create a fundament of connection and interaction. And so typically uh, rituals that that fall into the space are a temperature check, which is basically just a way to measure everyone's mood uh, on an everyday basis or on a weekly basis. Another ritual that falls into this category is uh, an appreciation ritual, where you get the opportunity to say thank you or to give a shout out to a colleague. But then it also goes into, and that's I guess the second purpose, the area where it's about getting to know each other and really helping teams you know create stronger connections with each other um, and with the team members and there we have rituals that um, for example one that's called share your world which is about sharing a picture or sharing some sort of interactive element that gives you context of your mood or gives you context of your um something you've done in the, during the weekend And another ritual is also that is also about getting to know each other is team questions, which is really a rotating team question every week that every team member answers. Um, so really about providing kind of a foundation for feeling safe, feeling secure, feeling like the team members can belong and get to know each other well.
0: So the rituals is something that you come up with, like the format, the format of the ritual.
2: Exactly. So we are curating
1: the rituals for the teams. This is based on. Our learnings from the remote companies that we are currently working with, Um, we have a couple of advisors from the most successful remote companies out there, and they are helping us to understand what has worked for them in the past and what hasn't, and how can we make those learnings accessible at scale, so to say, for the new era of remote and hybrid teams. But there's also scientific approaches that we use, like nudging, for instance, and habit forming. Um, and Rebecca can, can say a lot more about that because she is the one having the experience in this field, but um, we are really trying to to take things that have already worked in the past and kind of, yeah, making them accessible at scale, so to say, and what we are really, I think what, how we differentiate is really that we're, we call ourselves a bit like the, the additional team member or the people experience manager that takes care proactively of culture and connection in your team, so you don't have to do this, right? So the curating aspect and facilitation is a core part of our product,
0: right? And for the user from the user side, how does it look? Is it sort of a prompt that the user receives in uh, on, on Slack or wherever else?
2: Exactly. So so it starts with a prompt in Slack or via email, um, but then team members are redirected in our platform into our platform. The reason why we're doing it this way. By this way, I mean, creating an experience in the platform is that, that we believe that culture needs to be built kind of in a space that is meant for it, right? So it's, it's psychologically also giving the space to actually deal with all the, the non-professional moments. But essentially, um you get a prompt in Slack or via email, you land in the platform, you submit your ritual entry, and then all the ritual entries by all team members are aggregated and brought together. And what this does is it provides, first of all, A shared and joint view of what everyone has contributed, but more importantly, almost provides a basis for a discussion. And what we're seeing, what's really interesting is the teams are really starting conversations, meaningful conversations based on these rituals. And that's exactly actually what we were hoping for, is to kind of stimulate getting to know each other in a very easy and also delightful way.
0: Right. So the way I understand it, uh, the rituals, in many cases, work uh, uh, like this, uh, that uh, first uh, all the team members contribute something, let's say, asynchronously, answer a question, yeah. post a photo, whatever, and then there is an opportunity to sort of talk about it.
1: To have this shared experience. Absolutely. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I think this is also super important, maybe to, to mention, as you, as you said, actually, um, that we're in the first place an asynchronous tool. And this is also what teams very much appreciate that they are able to do the activities on their own time, but still that we create this shared environment and this shared context and this shared experience that they can then interact with again. And this is something that is super valuable because what we heard many times was that, you know, diminishing returns for virtual team activities because you can't find the time for everyone to meet not everyone is prioritizing it. Always the same people speak, etc. And we're really trying to take the individual personalities of the people as well and try to kind of proactively get them into conversation. And this is one part I think we didn't mention yet. And maybe Rebecca wants to speak about that more in detail. But we, we truly believe that remote work offers an amazing opportunity now to celebrate everyone's individuality a bit more, right? It's not about the water cooler only where people were almost forced before you know it, it needed to be happening that everyone is grabbing a beer after work but that's not for everyone right and we're really trying to find
2: different activities for different people exactly maybe to add to that it's really about providing people with the opportunity to create or to be part of work in the way that they want want to be right and this is One of the main reasons that people or employees decide to work in remote organizations because it creates much more freedom for how how they want to live their lives. And the same counts actually for building culture and for for connecting, right? It should be done according to individuals' contexts and needs. That's why we chose this asynchronous model. That's why we're also going one step further, uh, namely by looking at Individual differences and individual preferences when it comes to working, and what impact that might have on uh, team building, and what impact that might have on, on on the activities that we provide and the rituals that we provide. So we're also measuring that, uh, and early findings show, for example, that maybe no big surprise here, but that extroverts actually engage more with the activities. But the learnings that we can take from this to say, what does that mean if an introvert doesn't feel comfortable participating? In a particular ritual, what does that mean for how we need to readjust the rituals to make them work for every individual team member and to kind of put more focus on emphasis on accommodating individuals needs in a better way. And I think that's something that has not really been done in organizations so far. And that's what we also want to lay emphasis on.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. And one of the things I wanted actually to ask is that uh, I know from my own experience that these systems uh, like uh, Remy, uh, like uh, many others, That also work uh, in uh, offline offices and offline teams. They're only good, they're only any good, if you manage to engage uh, people in it, if you manage to basically sell it to all the team members. Because, and also, I also know that uh, the novelty of this kind of thing really wears off uh, quite quickly. And even if the team would start participating in this sort of activities at the beginning, then. I don't know. Three months passes, and uh, uh, you see that uh, people are much uh, less interested. So, how do you, how do you approach uh, these uh, challenges, and do you actually see that uh, these are challenges that uh, you need to solve?
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's a really interesting question. I mean, we are early in the product, and so far retention has been very good for us. Uh, so, people are actually telling us that they're developing habits and they're getting used to the rituals, which is great for us to know. But obviously there's a lot that, you know, we need to consider when it comes to building them over time and, and making sure that there is novelty. And it goes back to this idea of intrinsic motivation of people, right? And of human nature is is that reward needs to be variable, there needs to be an element of surprise. People want to come back to things if they feel like they're getting continued value out of it. And that's definitely something that we're building into the rituals. But what's has wonderful is that there's already so much novelty, just in the fact that you're learning something new about your colleagues every week, that this is kind of like a little bit like a gift that keeps on giving, where people don't get tired of getting to know each other, just like friends don't get tired of getting to know each other, right? Of course, only to some degree, but this is what we're seeing so far.
0: Right. And uh, uh, speaking of, uh, uh, do you have any sort of sweet spot in terms of uh, team size? Which uh, which side of the team or maybe which type of the team, which kind of the team would be the best uh, for uh, for Remy to, to work?
1: It's interesting that you're asking this because this is exactly what we're currently working on and trying to find out further. I mean, we have audience hypothesis and we also have hypothesis on what we believe, which teams and which team sizes also are the ones more engaging or less engaging. We're still in the midst of finding this out, so I wouldn't drive any kind of conclusions that are going too far, but there are a few things that we that we know. Um, so what we basically, wh- one thing that we did find out was that, and what we started also prioritizing was to start with teams that are no less people than four team members, because um, what we noticed was that if you are only like three people and already when one or two are not participating, it already gets lonely, Right. So this is something we need to understand over time better, how we can also work with smaller teams. But for now, really, the group size is between four to seven people. Let's say 10 people is, I think, the sweet spot. Um, Because we do believe, and this is also scientifically proven, that smaller groups have a more psychological safe space. But we need to find out more. We also have bigger teams that are also engaging quite well. And, you know, there are always some outliers. So we need to understand um, what now the consequences for us will be and where to focus on.
0: Right. And do you see any differences uh, between, let's say, teams within bigger companies, like within corporates, let's say, and teams that uh, it's just the whole company, let's say, it's like 20 people, but it's the whole company and not just a team?
2: Yeah, uh, most definitely. And I think that's that's also an interesting kind of point on, on what kind of companies um, are we actually best is Remy, best for, right? It's really the phase that they're in. It's the organizations that are probably not a startup anymore, um, not so small, but maybe starting at about around um, 100, 200 people, probably in high growth phase. They're getting to a space where managing culture just within the teams or within the organization by itself becomes quite difficult because the organization gets too large but there's at the same time a higher need for culture because the company is growing and rituals and norms have to be established, the culture needs to be built, right? And so it's in those organizations where we've seen the most success. And so team size still still holds true, about ten people, but larger organizations, fast growth probably tech, because most of them are in remote. What's also interesting is maybe is when it comes to the teams itself. It's organizations that are more diverse, that have, you know, teams and team members coming from different cultures, working in different, you know, parts of the world. They don't have kind of a natural way of connecting on all levels. And there's a lot more room for kind of um, interpreting things differently, for having different customs and helping them establish a baseline from the start. Uh, some common ground to connect on is really has been really, really fruitful for us, for Remy and for those teams.
0: Interesting. Yeah, that, that was actually one of my questions as well. I, I'm wondering how do you how you actually approach uh, the multicultural uh, uh, teams and whether it's, again, any different uh, uh, from teams where every member would be of uh, with all of the same background based in the same country.
2: In the end, you know, we have our product. We're just starting out with, you know, trying to find out what the right way to go about it is. But we have... Certain things like in our manual of me, which is like a user handbook that helps us um, establish an understanding of each individual employee. And we approach the getting to know each other process for everyone in the same way in that sense. So people can get to know each other in the same way. And yeah, interesting. we We do believe though that
1: or what we find out from the teams that we have right now is that definitely the ones that are from a more diverse background, um and with more culturally differences are actually more engaging and have this an even higher need so to say um than the ones that are kind of are kind of from a very similar background uh, and from the same country etc
0: great yeah this is interesting and uh, so just uh, and the last question i was i was also wondering do you think that you would still have founded this company if not for uh, for the pandemic
2: ah uh, that's a great question <laughs> um no, I think it's very much about, I mean, this particular uh, company, probably not. I know from my side that this topic of culture has been, you know, on my mind for a long time. But obviously, as with all things in life, there was serendipity at play. And the serendipity in this situation was that we happened to really experience this problem ourselves. And the urgency of that is a great way to. Start a business because we went out to solve a problem, and this was a very acute and very present problem. And that's why it happened. Also, because we during the pandemic
1: actually found out that we enjoy working remotely a lot and we don't want it to change anymore. And we also don't want to accept that companies decide against it because they believe that culture can't be built in a remote setup. And we said, so. If they don't believe it, then we make this happen. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so we decided we're going to take this problem. We actually have a good background um, to to be able to do this. The only challenge is the tech side of things. We overcame that. So why won't we be able to make our mission possible to to make it uh, to make remote work more human and connected? There are no limits, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> sounds great now valerie rebecca thank you so much this was it for my questions thanks a lot for joining congratulations once again on uh, raising uh, the funding and uh, good luck good luck with everything that you're doing with remy
1: thank you very much thank you so much have a good day
0: and this is it for our today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, follow us today wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if that place has a possibility to rate and review the show, please do that as well. Our audio engineer is by SoundPulse, that is sound-pulse.com. Your questions, suggestions, and opinions are always very welcome. Please do send them to podcast at tech.eu. This was TechEU Podcast. I'm Andrew Degler, and I will talk to you again soon. For now, take care and enjoy the rest of your week. Bye-bye.